Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Metabolism and Menopause podcast. My name is Stephanie, and I am your host and CEO of Vitality OET. We are a women's nutrition, health, and fitness company that focuses predominantly on women's hormones, particularly as they start going through perimenopause and onwards. We know that you experience so many changes in this time of your life, whether that's hot flashes, night sweats, irritability, brain fog, and then of course, this weight gain around the belly that seems to have come out of absolutely nowhere. So you go back to your tried and true methods of cutting calories, cutting carbs, doing a ton of cardio, but nothing seems to work and it just leaves you feeling worse. But we know now that your body is inherently different than what it used to be. So our mission here at Vitality is to help you live a life full of vitality, finally reach your health and fitness goals, understand how your body changes during this time in your life, and how to actually be able to maintain and take care of yourself, not your body is so different. So today I have the pleasure of having the wonderful coach Corinne on the podcast. She has been a coach for quite some time now and is actually plant-based. She does competing as well. So today we have her on the podcast because we wanted to cover how the heck do you hit your protein goals on a (laughs) plant-based diet? Because so many women we talk to like eating plant-based actually or eating more plant-based than not. Um, However, protein seems to be this huge issue. People getting only 40 grams or 50 grams a day when they really should be getting like 0.8 grams per pound of body weight. And they're nowhere near where they're supposed to be. So we want to talk about how it is actually possible to reach your protein goals on a plant-based diet and some of the misconceptions, how you can reach your goals, all those kinds of things. So first of all, we're going to talk about why there's like this misconception that plant protein and protein pairing and all of these kinds of things. And it's really a concept that pertains that Certain plant proteins contain some essential amino acids, but lack others, which is true. And now essential amino amino acids, holy moly, you can tell we're filming in the morning today, you guys. (laughs) Essential amino acids have to be consumed through our diet and our body just will not make it on its own. So that is true that there is plant proteins that lack all the essential amino acids, but you don't have to necessarily match them through every single meal. It's more important that you're getting them throughout the day and getting enough of that through a variety of foods. So there are nine essential amino acids in plant foods. So there's, I'm not going to list them all, but there's nine of them. So Corinne, how can we avoid deficiencies in these amino acids? Yeah. So The way to avoid deficiencies in amino acids is we definitely don't want to get all of our protein from just one source. So a lot of times people rely on either beans, legumes only, or nuts and seeds only, or maybe only a protein powder. And then that's where we run into issues with our amino acids. So we definitely want to have pairings. So again, they don't have to be at the exact same meal, but we definitely want throughout the day to get those complementary complementary proteins in. So that'll be like methionine and lysine. These are two like really, really, really common amino acids that need complements. So for example, grains are going to be super high um, in methionine, but not in lysine. Nuts and seeds are limited in lysine as well. So that's where we want to get beans with nuts and seeds. Like we want to make sure that we're pairing these things throughout the day so that we get our methionine and lysine complements to each other. 
So again, like within a meal, vegetables that are lower in certain nutrients, but then we have our greens, which are higher in certain nutrients. So that way we can get them together to make sure that we're getting an even balance of all of the amino acids that we need. So that way our protein's actually synthesizing within the body. It's not just like we're getting these random bits and pieces of protein, but we're getting a full protein. Exactly. And I think this is where like people really struggle because they're like, Hummus is my go-to. I'm like that. That doesn't. That doesn't have all the things. We need to. We need to pair everything <laughs> with some other options. It so, doesn't have all the pieces. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's where people end up going wrong, right? They just have like these staples that they go to, which it's good to have staples. But if you're not getting enough variety, that's where things really fall apart. Mm-hmm. So if we can hit our protein through plant-based foods, why do some people say that you can't or that you can't build muscle? Because Corinne does compete. So the girl builds muscle and she is strong and she can do it and she is plant-based. So it is possible. So the biggest thing is you have to make sure that you're planning. I'm not sure in like how that works for everybody else, but I don't struggle. Like I struggle to get my protein in if I don't plan and I'm not plant-based. So if you are plant-based, this is where things like meal planning are going to be much more important or menu planning for the week, um, doing some prep. So it's the exact same as if you aren't on a plant-based diet. It's just a little bit more important and being aware of what foods need to swap and things like that to make sure that you are getting enough caloric intake, that you are getting enough protein and things like that. So the hardest swap is going to be protein. So Corinne, what are kind of like the best protein sources that you find? Yeah. So of course, like in terms of swaps, like protein's the hardest for people. So you do have to have a plan and know like, what are my go-to proteins that I'm going to have? So we think first of all, like what protein sources are available. So first of all, everyone thinks of soy immediately, which is totally fine, but that's like the go-to when it comes to plant-based eating. So I'm sure people, if they think about it, they're familiar, they've heard soy. Um, But one thing I definitely want to touch on because this is, you know, a, a misconception a lot is that just because soy is like estrogen related, it doesn't actually contain any estrogen. So it contains phytoestrogens, which are actually beneficial in protecting against cancer. So just thinking about phytoestrogens, it's not just in soy, but it's also in plants. So in all the vegetables that we naturally eat, it's there as well. So you might be scared of it, but you're already having it. So don't don't worry. It won't cause any problems unless you're eating like an absurd amount, which none of us, even if you're a 200 pound bodybuilder, is going to be eating that much to cause any issues. So when we think of soy, some of the common ones are tofu, which is actually curd from soy milk and it's compressed. So it's, it's you know, just what it is. Then we have tempeh, which is fermented soybeans and then soy milk as well. The other one, and this is my favorite, which people are always very confused as to what it is, but it is TVP, which is textured vegetable protein. So it's actually defatted soy flour. So yes, it's soy, but it cooks up with a little bit of liquid and makes it almost like a a crumbled up beef texture. So you can use it in so many recipes. You can also eat it dry. So like a granola texture. And then we have edamame, which is just soy beans. And then finally, there's Greek style yogurts. Like Kite Hill's an awesome one, high in protein, and it's made with soy or almond milk most commonly. Um, and then of course, if you don't eat soy, there are plenty of other sources that you can have. Yeah. So to touch on soy, for myself, I cannot have soy. I can tell if anything has soy in it because I am sick almost instantaneously. It is horrific and I will be bloated and puking within seconds. Like it is maybe not seconds within minutes. It's pretty bad. 
Um, but the whole phytoestrogens thing, people are always so nervous about it, but eating phytoestrogens can be incredibly helpful for menopausal symptoms actually. So eating foods that are higher in phytoestrogens can be really helpful for you. Um, if you can't get it in soy, that's okay. There are other ways to get it as well, like in flaxseed, for example. So the next protein sources we're going to talk about briefly here are beans and legumes and grains. So beans and legumes actually have tons of protein in them. them. So you can have chickpeas, black beans, kidneys, lentils, things like that. Um, Things that you have to be careful with. Beans and legumes, though, they're very high in fiber. So if you're someone that's going from not eating plant-based to going plant-based, your fiber intake is going to increase quite quickly. You need to be careful because if you go from like nine grams of fiber a day to like 35 to 40, I promise you will not poop for like five days and you will feel like garbage. So maybe track where your fiber is first before you start introducing these things. Then we also have nuts, seeds, nut butters, chia seeds, hemp seeds. Those are other great sources of protein, protein or powdered nut butters as well as a great hack because it has way less fat in it. So when we're utilizing a lot of fat intake, or sorry, nuts and butter, nut butters, because they do have higher fat content, having powdered nut butter can be really great. So for example, one serving size would be six grams of protein, only 1.5 grams of fat, whereas a scoop of peanut butter is a whole heck of a lot of <laughs> more than that. Um, green peas also, eight grams of protein in one cup. Then we have our greens. So quinoa, which is actually a seed, high in protein, buckwheat, spelt, oats, Um, wild and brown rice, grain breads like Dave's Killer or Ezekiel average about five grams per slice. I actually have one that's like Country Harvest brand that has like five grams of protein per slice as well because it has quinoa, it has flax seeds, so it has more of those options in it. Um, You can also have like toast with powdered nut butter, slice of banana, that easily right there is going to have 20 grams of protein, which is awesome. You can sprinkle some hemp seeds on top. That's going to add some more. So there are ways to slowly incorporate. You just have to take the time to figure out what those staples are. Um, so Corinne, what about vegetables? Because vegetables do have protein as well. Yeah, vegetables. So again, variety. Variety is always like going to be the number one when it comes to, I think, any healthy diet. So with vegetables and a plant-based diet, some of the green vegetables, of course, are going to be higher in our nutrients and higher in protein. Um, Yes, we do get protein from vegetables, but know that we can't get only protein from vegetables because it's not going to be enough. Um, But broccoli, asparagus, spinach, kale are some of the top. And then you also have Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, and potatoes. And let me tell you, hands down, potato is like my number one food that I eat all the time. So you can have it in a ton of variety of ways and use it so many different methods and whatnot. But it will add up the protein, you know, if you're getting two grams here, two grams there, it isn't nothing. So it does add to your day. Um, But again, be aware of your fiber because some of those vegetables are very high in fiber. So as you're going through your day, learn what your body likes and doesn't like in terms of fiber level, and then you can adjust what vegetables you're having. Exactly. And also pro or protein. Potatoes help with the release of serotonin, which is actually your happy hormone. So potatoes, eat your potatoes. They make you happy. Like actually make you happy. There's also a little bit of protein in there. It's got some fiber. We should be fearing potatoes. So next I want to talk about some supplementation. So you can also have like, um, animal free, dairy free 
protein powders, protein bars. You can take spirulina. One tablespoon is going to have four grams of protein. Nutritional yeast, I know, is something that Corinne uses quite a bit. 15 grams of that is going to result in eight grams of protein. And it's also extremely high in our B vitamins, which is really important because we know that when we're going through perimenopause and menopause, or if you've been um, on hormonal birth control for like three years, your body will almost be completely depleted of B vitamins. And it is really important when we look at hormone health and detox pathways and things like that. So that is something that can be really beneficial for actually everyone. So Corinne, what about some other possible supplements for people to consider when we are looking at this stuff? Okay. So in terms of some like additional supplements that you may have to consider, um, again, everyone should regularly get blood work done, first of all, because if you're not deficient in something, there's no really reason to take it. Um, so when we're looking at some of our supplements, we're looking at omega-3s and 6s. This is definitely common in terms of plant-based eaters being low in because obviously we're not getting a ton of fish. We're not getting all that fat, healthy fats from other like food sources in our diet. So you want to look at possibly supplementing with some kind of flax oil. So this is where you could eat seaweed. Um, however, you're not going to get enough of it. You're not going to synthesize enough of it. So you definitely want to have some kind of high quality flaxseed oil. Um, chia seeds, flax seeds, hemp seeds are all high in omega threes and sixes as well. And then we touch on vitamin B12. So this is probably the one that everyone hears when they think of plant-based eating and being low in. So vitamin B12, as we said before, nutritional yeast is actually very high in vitamin B12. So that's an awesome like addition to foods that you have. However, this is something where you will probably want to take a supplement in because it's so concentrated um, and you can get very good quality ones for not a ton of money. So, um, you know, Honestly, I order one from Amazon and it's just a liquid. You put it under your tongue, you hold it there every day. Um, then we have vitamin D, D3. So we want the, you know, synthesized form and all of that. This is one that everyone can probably benefit from, but we want to make sure that we're taking that with some source of food um, and a little bit of fat there so that it definitely goes in and gets synthesized fully. And then finally, we have iodine. So again, iodine is something that's more common in like fish and those kinds of products. So if we're not getting enough of that through those foods, we can look at adding in iodized salt, a multi that has iodine. If you're very low, you're going to want to look for just an iodine supplement, but then also kelp. You can add that into your everyday diet and it adds like a little bit of a salty note to any kind of food. So use it almost like you would, you know, a sauerkraut, add it in there on top of your potatoes and mix and whatever. And then you can get that extra little bit of iodine. And something that's, I think, very important to touch on is as you transition into a plant-based diet, you have to listen to your own body. So it doesn't have to be full like day one, I'm going in, I'm being 100% plant-based and this is it. Make it a slow transition, make it realistic for your life. And definitely number one, listen to your own body because not everyone is gonna eat the same. It's just like where you see all those diets that like this is the diet for you based on your blood type or based on this or that. It's not true. You know, you have to listen to how your body functions. So one thing that I've learned personally is fiber. Fiber for me was like a big learning curve being plant-based because you can easily hit 50 grams in a day when you're trying to hit your protein goal. And my body does not like that at all. Um, so you need to really listen to what is going on. And I know it's crazy to hear someone say that, oh, watch for too high of fiber because we're always being told to bump up our fiber. But 
honestly, everyone's bodies are different. And so you may have to play around with the sources that you use, the portion sizes, and like, again, build it up gradually. As you said before, you know, it's it's a process. So you might learn that I can handle a little bit more fiber, but maybe not 10 more grams of fiber. Um, you know, that was something that I learned Uh, not the hard way, but you know, you learn these things as you go along. So I learned that for me, controlling my fiber through my carb sources is a really easy way that I don't have to give up the protein sources that I enjoy because I like eating beans. I like eating lentils. I like eating these things that are a little bit higher in fiber. So, you know, I can take, just eat white rice. I can eat potatoes. I can eat cream of rice versus oats or squashes or things that are a little bit more dense in that fiber. Um, you know, cream of rice has zero grams of fiber where oats have four in a serving. So when you're eating, you know, higher carbs and you're getting a lot of that, you want to cut that extra fiber where you can, if that's an issue for you. So, you know, you just learn to, to mix and match and pair the way that it's easiest for you and your own body. And again, that touches on those veggies. It touches on your fat sources, all of those things. You just need to analyze what's going to work the best for your own body. Yeah. And like, it's, I think if you're going to transition to plant-based eating, track your food first. Um, <laughs> yeah, like track. do it for, <laughs> track is number yeah, one. do it f- exactly. <laughs> do it for like a week or two just to see where things are naturally falling. And then like pay attention as you're swapping to more plant-based really watch that fiber intake. Um, Pay attention to the protein, figuring out what your go-to sources are without letting fiber get too high. Because like Corinne said, some people can handle like 35, 40 grams of protein in a day or fiber in a day. Myself, 25 is my max. If I go anywhere above that, just things don't work. Even if it's a gradual increase, my body's just like, no, this is is too much for us to digest. It's too challenging. So tracking is going to be really important. And I think it's also important to note that If this is something that you're wanting to do or you are doing just like any new habit and transition, take your time and really ease into it. Approach your protein goal with a plan. So think of your daily protein goal to start. That number might sound kind of overwhelming, but you can just break it down. Let's say you're going to have three meals and two snacks. You can really break that down for each meal being like 20 to 30 grams. And then your snacks can each be like 10 to 15 grams. And it doesn't seem as bad when you're looking at it that way, but that's really how you're going to be successful with this. And again, you can do this slowly and start out with just breakfast being plant-based and working your way up, but still making sure you're getting that protein just so you can make that slow transition. And again, really watch that fiber because that will be what crushes you, I promise. (laughs) So it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be that bad. Like it's just a slow transition um, and making sure you're getting enough protein is important because it's going to help regulate your blood sugars. Um, which we know is already an issue during perimenopause and menopause. It's going to help you keep full and satisfied meal to meal. So we're not having those crashes and cravings during the day, which again is very common during perimenopause and menopause. And you are typically going to get a decent amount of carbohydrates when you are on plant-based diet, which is going to help with your energy and your sleep as well. So there are pros to that. Um, To continue on with that, what are some of the pros and cons to like going plant-based, Corinne, would you say? Um, one major one that I see is like going a route of a ton of processed foods in place. So instead of eating like a very whole food focused diet as, uh, I would say like a regular, you know, carnivore eater, you replace that with so many already made things. So then like the quality of your food is really going down and your body's not going to be happy with that. It's not going to function as well. So like If you were to swap regular chicken nuggets for plant-based chicken nuggets, okay, those are probably pretty similar. But if we're looking at a piece of chicken versus 
some plant-based chicken nuggets, very different things. So you'd be way better off just eating the chicken if you're looking at a food quality standpoint. So we definitely don't want to rely on all of these like already made items. It's okay if we put them in 20% of the time, but we don't want to be making every single day our main source of protein, you know, processed chicken nuggets and burgers and all these things. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's like a a common misconception is people will switch to plant-based for the inflammatory benefits um, because then they're like, it's supposed to help with like all the antioxidants and like more Mediterranean based almost. However, then if we're swapping in all of these like processed things we weren't consuming before, that's going to lead to more inflammation anyway. So being able to really focus on food quality is a huge thing. Um, like that is something people need to be aware of. When we're looking at recipe swaps, I know this is like the hardest thing. My sister went plant-based for a couple years and then had to switch off of it due to like some medications and stuff like that. And her labs just weren't great and all those kinds of things. Um, But that was always the hardest thing was like she'd come over for like supper or something. I'm like, what the heck am I supposed to feed you? Like, this is so hard. (laughs) Or you're making a recipe that's like a casserole type thing or something. It's like, what what can I swap? Because I need... I need butter or things like that. So what are some easier swaps for people or like go-tos? Because I know this is a challenge for most people, especially if someone in their family all of a sudden goes plant-based and they're like, oh, this is, I need to learn too now. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) definitely. It's like, oh my God, what can I put in this? Um, So, I mean, easy ones are the the same item. So like milk and yogurt are super easy because there are a lot on the line now of dairy-free versions. Um, when it comes to eggs, oils, and butters, this is the more difficult side. So eggs are definitely a very particular one. So they do make now egg replacers. So it's basically like chia seed ground up. So you just add water to it. However, you can also do this if you make your own kind of chia flax egg. So it's like a two to one ratio. You put a little bit of chia seed or flax seed in a bowl that's ground up and then add some water and mix it together. And then it gets a little bit thick like an egg and then you put it in place. That of course is extreme. So like you have to commit to that one. (laughs) The other things is in place of butters and oils, oils you can get away with using, I love coconut oil in place of butter. Uh, Like that is my hands down number one item I always use is coconut oil for butter. I'm used to it now. So I think it tastes like butter, but other people would say not. (laughs) But to me, it's totally fine. Um, In place of like sunflower seed oil or any of those kinds of oils, I just prefer to cook with either coconut oil, avocado oil, macadamia nut oil, or olive oil. So anytime you're seeing kind of oils in place, you can do that. Um, coconut milk is awesome in recipes. It's thicker, so it works really well. Um, as far as if you're trying to go, I would say more health focused too, you can swap some oils for other items. So like pumpkin puree and unsweetened applesauce are awesome in recipes to cut down the fat. So if you're looking to kind of change things up, that's an awesome option. And then in terms of just like sweeteners and things like that, some people do eat honey. Like I'm one of those people, I I eat honey. So I love honey. I use honey. But if you don't, you can always put agave in place of that to sweeten recipes. Um, and chocolate chips now, there's dairy-free chocolate chips on all, all available, which um, are are very good. So I won't argue against those. Those are really good. Um, you can also use like nut butters in place of recipes or canned beans. So sometimes if I'm doing an eggless recipe, I'll go that route so I don't have to make an egg. Um, it does take effort. It does take thought. However, at least there are tons of recipes now available online that you can access or 
thinking of in place of a recipe, start with easy ones. That's always my recommendation is start with the recipe where it is just maybe butter and milk and all you have to do is swap those instead of all of these items and mix and match and whatnot because then you're going to ease your way into it because it may take more thought, it may take more time, which can be frustrating when you're just trying to, you know, work with somebody on something or for yourself or whatever. And for people that aren't plant-based, they may taste it and not even know a difference. And they're like, okay, great job accomplished. Yeah, exactly. And I think it is true to like, again, just do things slowly, change things slowly. That's the biggest thing. Cause I think it's just very, um, it can be very challenging and like overwhelming at first. So just focus on baby steps. It doesn't have to be like a complete and total jump right off the hop. Um, so what about, what are your go-to protein powders? Cause this is a question I get a lot, um, on like social media and stuff. I personally am like a huge texture person and taste person. Like if the texture is off or it does not taste good, I absolutely positively will not eat it. So what are your go-to brands? I know my first requirement is always, can I eat this with just water? If I can drink this shake with water, it passes my test because that's like the true, this is the flavor of it. This is the texture of it. Um, Tried many different ones. Um, My top, top number one is I love a really thick protein powder. I like one that is sweet. So I like Core Nutritionals Vegan Protein, the best hands down. Um, I'm a vanilla person, so I love vanilla. I love the maple pancake. Very, very good. Um, Second to that, I would say Raw Nutrition has a really good plant-based one. Um, And I know there's people have sensitivities to certain types of proteins. So just look when you are looking at protein powders, what is the blend that they use? Because they nine times out of 10 will not be one protein only. It's going to be a combination. So most of the time it's pea protein, brown rice protein. So that combo together. Um, However, there are ones made with sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds. I've seen ones now that are made with you know, chickpeas. So there's plenty of different options. Just know what works the best for you. But those are definitely my top two. Number one, hands down though, is core nutritional vegan protein. My favorite. Awesome. Okay. So um, next question I have for you is what about eating out? Because I know like going out to a restaurant with like friends is probably challenging. So what are your strategies for that? Yeah. So if you're a little bit crazy like me and you know where you're going ahead of time, I look up the restaurant. (laughs) So I I have like a heads up on where I'm going to be going. Um, If that does not happen, though, um, when you are somewhere, just know you can modify dishes. Like I... You are not annoying if you are asking for what you want. So get comfortable with preaching for yourself, asking for what you need, advocating. Like hands down, probably tell all of my clients that all the time in different regards of their life. But as a plant-based eater, know that when you go somewhere, you can totally customize anything. So modify dishes, look for something that the base of it is pretty well played to your side. So obviously salads are easy because they're mostly vegetables to begin with. Um, But pasta dishes as well, that's pretty common. You can find things, um, you can go sauceless, you can go tomato sauces. So you may not always get a really good quality source of protein at your meal. So be prepared for that. That's the one downfall I'll say. A lot of restaurants don't have really good vegan protein sources. So you will definitely hit your carbs, you'll hit your veggies, and you'll hit your fats. So make sure that you either eat more protein before or after that meal or come prepared with something like in the car. Like that always helps. What are like uh, good kinds of like ethnicity foods or like different kinds of foods that would be, or like styles of cooking, I guess, that would be good 
for the plant-based eaters, like Mexican, for example, I've been told is like a pretty good go-to. Um, but are there other like kinds of cuisines that would be good for plant-based eaters to like get started if they're going out to eat, like asking friends if we can go at like this style of restaurant? Oh, for sure. So um, Mexican food is probably number one on my list because they do naturally incorporate beans and rice into a lot of dishes. And you can always ask for no cheese, no sour cream on anything like that. Um, I know Chipotle is pretty popular here in the U.S., so that's an easy place to like pair pair meals and do things like that. But um, that would be number one. And then number two, I'd say if you're going somewhere that's like either Mediterranean or maybe Indian type cuisine, that's also easy because they do incorporate more beans into those dishes too. Um, the one that's definitely challenging is Italian food. I mean, I love my carbs, so I love bread and pasta, but yeah, you don't really get a lot of protein in that. <laughs> For sure. Okay, good. Um, what about like not being a processed food vegan, like what are some things to really watch for if you are going to go look for like some processed stuff? Because there is going to be like lots of additives and things like that. So is there certain brands that you find are better than others personally? Yeah. Um, I mean, my number one is I always look at the ingredient list. So ingredients, of course, on a label, what it contains the most of is where it starts and then it goes down from there. So the first thing I want to look at is how many ingredients are on that list, because the longer the list, the more things are in there. Um, and then I look if there's words that I, I don't know. And if that comes up and I like, I've gone to college, I know a lot of words, I study nutrition, but if I don't know it and it's not real language, I go, okay, this maybe isn't the best choice. So I definitely keep that in mind. Um, when it comes to processed foods, I definitely follow like certain brands. I love to incorporate, um, like rice cakes. I'm a big rice cake eater. So I love Lundberg rice cakes and I do eat Quaker rice cakes, the ones that have the caramel and whatnot. So I do eat processed foods. And then from there, um, protein bars, that's also another one. So every once in a while, if I'm on the go and I need something, I do grab a protein bar. Um, go macro are awesome protein bars. They have really good ingredients. The label is short and like everything in there makes sense. Um, the other thing is RX bars are awesome. They do make a plant-based version. So those are the ones that I have. Um, those are awesome. You know, ready-made foods can be good if you just are informed. So look at the label ingredients, definitely number one. And then two, I look at, you know, the macros. So I do want something that's good for my macros. Um, I don't want to have a ton of added sugar. So I look at that. Um, I try to make sure that it has like at least a little bit of protein in there because I'm eating this as a snack or a meal or part of something. Um, so just making sure that there's a good balance there. But number one to me is always ingredients. Okay. And then what about social events? Because I mean, going to like friends parties or barbecues and things like that, like I imagine that can't be easy as a plant-based eater. Yeah. So when you're going somewhere and you don't know what's going to be there, definitely have a plan around that. So I track macros. So my favorite thing to do is make sure that beforehand I'm eating something that's super solid in protein and that I have either a fruit or vegetable before because I know quality may not be the best. Nine times out of 10, people around me do not eat like I do. So I know that I'm not going to have many options wherever I'm going to go, if it's a wedding, if it's a party or something like that. So I know that I may have a salad or I may have fruit salad, but 
Other than that, there's really not much. So I need to make sure I get protein in. Um, with that, I'll also always pack a snack in the car. If anyone's ever hungry and we're out, I'm like, okay, snack queen, here you go. It's always in my fanny pack. I always have snacks. So bring things and be prepared. Like I, that's where my easy go-to protein bars, my nuts, my dried fruit, anything like that is easy. It's convenient. It can fit and not go bad. Um, but definitely before the party, make sure I'm having solid protein. Even if it's just a shake, at least I know I'm getting something with protein and a vegetable or fruit. That way I'm getting some fiber. I'm not going and starving to this party. And I know I'm going to be spending hours not eating anything. Um, be prepared with something on hand. And then afterwards I know, okay, I can go home and like have some overnight oats that I already prepared or some rice or potatoes with my protein that I've had ready to go. So like meal prep can help you a ton in those situations too. Yeah. And then, so I know a lot of people feel like they have to be like all or nothing. It's like, no, this is what I'm doing now. This is how I am. Cause we tend to be a bit of like extremists sometimes or things like that. So how do you navigate that? Because I think there's a lot of people who are just like, I don't want to say like stubborn, but like they just get very stuck in like, this is, this is it. This is me now or whatever. Absolutely. It's like they decide, okay, I'm doing this. And then it's day one and it's, that's it. It's, it's all or nothing. And this is one of my favorite points is you do not have to be all or nothing. And it doesn't make you a better person. It doesn't make you a worse person. It doesn't have to be anything like that. Do what feels good to you and make it a slow transition because it does not have to happen overnight. It doesn't make you any any different, anything this or that. It's okay to maybe only have one night of your week be plant-based and the other days you aren't. Like that is fine. Um, if you want to include some of the items in your life, that's great. If you don't, that's also okay. Like we're all in this world together. Let's all be happy. Let's all be joyous. But it's funny because I actually had this exact conversation with a client and it opened up her mind and it just relieved so much pressure that she was putting on herself. And that's the one thing that I feel like we all need to do more of is let that pressure go and those standards go of we're this or that. We're not defined by anything. You know, we are who we are by our actions and how we live our life, not by certain decisions that we make. So especially when it comes to nutrition and fitness, you don't have to be defined by that at all. Um, so like, you can enjoy non-vegan desserts if you are vegan. Like, that's totally fine. If you want the real cheesecake, go for it. Go have it. it live your life. It's fine. Um, it's super important to always remember that why are you choosing to do what you're doing? So if something you don't fully believe in, you're not fully passionate about, you're not going to want to stick with it. And it's going to feel like it's a struggle to keep up with that. And this may be controversial and that's okay, but it's not going to help you with fat loss or building muscle to be plant-based. It does not do that. You actually have to fight against it quite a lot. So know that it's not going to really like dramatically improve your results or improve anything like that. Your health, you can do that through any type of diet. But know that if this is a decision you're making, that's cool. And it can be at any pace that you want to go. Exactly. And I think a lot of people just assume it's like going to be the fix, the be end all be all, but it's not because you can have a very like quote unquote healthy diet eating not plant-based or a very not so quote unquote healthy diet eating not plant-based and vice versa. It all comes down to like, how much are you eating? Are you taking care of yourself? Are you getting enough protein? Are you getting the right amount of fiber? Are we doing things to control your blood sugar? Are we supporting hormone production? Like there's all these other things 
that play into account. And this is why like the cookie cutters, the fad diets, the over restriction, all these particular rules don't equate to success. It's it's not the be all end all. It's really figuring out what's sustainable for you, what you actually like to eat, which is so important, figuring out all of these things of like, what do you want your life to look like? Why are you doing it? Do you feel good? What's the point? What's the purpose? Can I do this long term? Is this supporting my health? Those are bigger questions and bigger rocks that we need to address. Um, so to wrap this all up, Corinne, is there anything else that you want to like touch on or share about plant-based eating or like how you did things and stuff like that, um, before we wrap it up? Um, okay. So it can be really enjoyable. (laughs) It doesn't, it's not always like this, I'm missing out on things. You can really find, um, a community of people who are supportive of what you want to choose to do. Again, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. And there are plenty of people I would say within eating plant-based that are supportive of that as well. Um, it is something where if you're thinking about it, like you can try a couple days, not do it. It's fine. Um, I do want people to know the one like really important thing is that you can accomplish your goals on a plant-based diet. So don't feel like I want to build muscle. So I can't do that if I want to, and I feel passionate about it. You totally can. Um, it's just making sure that you're informed, you eat how much you're supposed to eat, uh, make sure you're getting your protein, make sure you're getting your carbs, make sure that you're getting the right stimulus of training and not overtraining. Um, make sure that you're just taking care of yourself overall, but you can don't let anyone get in your way and tell you that you can't do something because if you're like me, you're going to prove them wrong. (laughs) Exactly. So if um, if you guys have any questions about plant-based eating and things like that, you can message us. We do have a plant-based eating protein guide um, that we've created. So if that's something that you are interested in, we can definitely put that your way. Um, just like some tips and tricks and just like common swaps and things like that. And as always, if you guys have questions about calculating calories or if you're eating enough or how much protein you should be eating or if you're exercising appropriately – just message me. I calculate these things for you for free as always. So yeah, if you guys have any questions, just let us know. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for being on here, Coach Crane.